If I was starting a managed services provider today, I wouldn't do infrastructure. This isn't a theory. There are businesses doing that. Uzar Ahmed is the founder and chief automation officer at Cottonwood Automation, a boutique business process automation firm focused on helping small and mid-sized businesses leverage technology to make businesses run on autopilot. He's used the same principles and systems to build and scale his previous venture, Instamac, which started out of a coffee shop to grow to a full self-running enterprise that spans over 23 cities. And we talk about how he does it, who his customers are, and why he doesn't like MSPs on this bonus episode of The Business of Tech. With all the standards out there like NIST, SysControls, Australia Essential 8, UK Cyber Essentials, GDPR, GLB, you might feel overwhelmed. Where do you start? Gerard Joswick, Senior Director of Legal and Compliance and Skykick's Data Privacy Officer, will share the dynamic landscape of cybersecurity standards, trends that have emerged, and how they've reshaped organizations' approach to regulatory adherence and risk management. You'll get a basic understanding of key cybersecurity and privacy standards in various geographies to help you assess the security and data protection needs of your customers. This will help streamline your practice and increase customer loyalty. Oh, and there's even a drawing for a free gift card. January 25th, three times across three time zones and link to register in the show notes. Uzer, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Dave. So I got to start with the, with the headline here. Tell me what you're doing around automation for small and mid-sized businesses. So the way that I approach automation is that, you know, a lot of small and mid-sized businesses have various pieces of software that they use to get things done if they have it. And I find that some, a lot of them use subpar software for their particular needs. But the other thing is that software is never connected. So it's a disjointed system where everyone is like copying, pasting information from one to another and they have no, there's just no uniform, universal truth in their business. Like, what is the correct answer to different answers, questions that I have? And that's where I realized that there was a huge opportunity to help these businesses streamline their businesses as well as their operations. So combining both the technology part of the business and the operation part of the business to build you know, a scalable system. Gotcha. And you're only doing this, right? You're not focused on networking or security or any of the other components of running a technology stack for business, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, exactly. So we're only focused on that. We know about the other aspects of the business, but I think we'd be better off partnering up with an existing managed uh, internet service managed provider to take care of security and all those things for us because that's we don't want to be doing the infrastructure stuff that can be easily commoditized. Wait, it shouldn't be, I shouldn't say easily commoditized, but you know, infrastructure stuff. We want to focus on like the business problems that they're having that are very specific to their business that a generalist would not know about. Gotcha. Now, in order to get a sense of this, I know my listeners are going to get a sense. Like, tell me a little bit about the business, you know, revenue, employees, yeah. reach, that kind of stuff. So um, right now it's me, my partner, and a few, a few consultants that work with us. Um, but in terms of uh, the companies that we work with, we only work with HVAC and plumbing companies right now and other home service businesses, but particularly HVAC and plumbing. And the reason why is, first of all, I think it's a great niche to be in where small adjustments you can make will make a huge difference at the end PL because each job is worth so much. Um, technology 
the companies that are embracing the technological aspect of it are running their businesses way better than the ones that aren't. Better customer experience, a little better control of costs, um, you know, smarter dispatching, and all this stuff is making their businesses seriously profitable. So I want to be part of that. I want to be somewhere where I can like add a lot of value, right? So that's why we niche down at that one niche. But we do work with a lot of people that already have like managed services providers. And we work in conjunction with them to be like, hey, this is a new field service management software we're going to use. This is a new CRM we're going to use. Here's how we're going to do email marketing. And then connect all those together. And this isn't your first time doing a bunch of automation for businesses, right? You've done this a couple of other times. Tell well, me a little bit about I that. learned this by doing it for my own business. So I started my own uh, mobile mechanic business about eight years ago. And this was the worst business you could possibly get, where you have to hire highly skilled labor to work outside in the cold on people's cars, making a few dollars at a time because they can't work on the big jobs, right? So no efficiency and no and limited labor and no uh, and, and low average job value, right? So for us to make this business work, we had to be super efficient with our operations and we built our own tech. And by doing that process, I learned that you know I have this new skill set which HVAC companies and plumbing companies really like because they are because they they know the struggles of doing only service work in the sense that they would not be in business anymore. But because they have installation work, which is installing a new furnace or installing a new hot water tank, they can make way more money on that side. So if they they saw what I was able to do with just my service business alone, and they're like, "Hey, I need your help," and that's kind of like where it got started. I started helping out my friend. It's a fantastic business. I actually had customers when I ran my MSP in the HVAC and plumbing space and, okay, and yeah. incredibly sophisticated, a really interesting space, lots of service opportunities. So I, I totally hear you on, on why that choice yeah. makes sense. And it's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's very valuable. Yeah. People, people like that. So tell me a little bit, there's gotta be an AI angle, this too, particularly what you're doing now. Tell me a little bit about what's going on and where your thinking is with AI. Okay. So I was really against AI at the start for using it for home service. I'm like, you don't want to outsource the customer service aspect of your business. But I uh, I was working with a few developers and for my other company, Instamic, which is like my testing grounds for everything I do, I have a new AI that's answering calls. And Dave, it is so good. It is so good that I'm just like, hey, six months from now, I don't think I'm going to need anyone answering calls anymore. And really? it sounds like okay. people can't even tell they're talking to a robot half the time. Like If you don't know, you don't know, right? And it's got the ums and the ahs and the inflection points and little j- laughs jokes here and there. And it also can be like out logics too. So like, for example, we had a customer cancel a job within 24 hours and we have a rule with a job that's canceled in 24 hours, cancellation fee. And the customer out logic my AI to be like, hey, you know, the AI waived it. But instead of being upset, I was like, that's impressive because it worked outside the script. So tell me a little bit more there because you're literally putting AI agents then talking with customers. Yeah. So for, we were missing too many calls. So, um, if we are, if it's four rings and no one picks up, it goes to the AI after hours and voicemail go to the AI and the AI is fully trained in our business. So it knows like everything that we do and everything that we don't do. It asks the right questions. And then, um, if the customer is a good fit and they're ready to be booked, it'll pass that information to our uh, operations team through Slack. We'll give you a summary of the call and everything you need to know the next steps. It's, it's, a, it's incredible. I think I love it so much. Fascinating. Yeah. So tell me a little bit then about some of the, some of the specific automation work you're doing with your customers. Tell me what a project looks like. 
So when it comes to automation, the first thing that we look at before anything else is do they have the right system? And, you know, I started off trying to do automations only, but then I realized almost none of my business owner uh, clients had any system in place to begin with. They had no SOPs. They had no processes. They had nothing. So I was like, there's nothing to automate here because I don't even know why you guys are doing things that the way you are. So that's why now we do business process consulting, build out their system, and then we build out the automation. So system is just like how we do things now, right? Here's a process for answering a, a call. Here's a process for um, booking a job. Here's a process you follow if you don't know the answer to something. Like there's a, there's different ways of doing it, right? So how are customers measuring success working with you? Are they seeing it in top line revenue and efficiencies? Like how, how do you measure those business outcomes? So we have, um, so what we do right now with our customers when we first started, we look at their uh, PL. And once we look at their PL, we break down, we do a bottoms up approach. We're like, hey, what? factors and what KPIs influence these numbers here. And then we look into those numbers and we look at the different projects that we can do to influence these numbers. And then we do the project, look at the KPI, did it move or not? If it moved, did it move the top line revenue or not? So our goal is to always be responsible for the PL. Like we want to be an ROI almost right away. Wow. So how are you how are you getting to see like commonality to this because you've obviously niched down for a reason yeah is that so that you can leverage and see commonality like how much is it all common exactly so the, the thing is like um once you work on one customer you realize that they're all dealing with similar issues and a lot of things can be copy paste within different organizations which is what I, this is what the benefits of niching down are right and then when you talk to these customers ahead of time it's what it's much easier to close them we have a 100% close rate right now because I know their problem before they know their own problem. Because I work with companies that I pretty much work with someone at the very bottom of it where I'm rebuilding their HVAC company from scratch. And by scratch, I mean like redoing payrolls for them. Like they haven't even done that properly. Two $10 million a year businesses where they have a lot of um, like dirty technicians, everything's very well organized and they want to move on to the next level, which is integrating with other businesses as they acquire. So, by having a sense of every step along the way, I know where, by looking at the numbers, Kate, these are the projects that we have to work on. And because I've worked on these projects before, I know that this is the results that we can expect. And then you just get really good at it. You create leverage that. Now, the engagements, are they all project-based, time of materials? Like, how are, you, are you, how are you working with them? So right now, it's just, I tell these guys I'm here with you forever. So it's partnership-based. They pay a flat rate retainer per month. Plus all the software costs and every any third parties that we need, and that's pretty much. I'm like, well, you're gonna need me now. You're gonna need me at five million. You need me at ten million. And the rates just go up until we reach all our goals, which is the point, right? If I help you guys achieve the successful you guys need, I should also increase my rates at the same time. Which your problems are gonna be different. Now you're obviously working in technology since it's automation and yeah. pieces, but I'm getting the sense that your background is not necessarily technology. Is tell me about the backgrounds of uh, sort of you and your team. Uh, so both my business partner and I are both engineers. Okay, we did electrical engineering, I did chemical engineering, um, and then we he started his company. I worked as an engineer for a few years. He built his company, sold it, uh, went to Harvard University, got his MBA there. And then he worked for other companies in the meantime. And for me, I worked as an engineer for a few years, quit to start my own company, and I've been just doing that for the last eight years. 
And then we just got together. We're trying to think about ways to work together. I'm like, hey, I've been doing this for a while now to come join me. And he saw the numbers. He saw what we were doing. He was really excited by it. All right. So I'm going to ask you then to get a little firm. Make some of these numbers firm for me. And like, kind of give me an example like of a project and what the specific business outcomes are for the customer. So I'll give you an example. Okay. So we're working on a new project for a client and we're like, hey, you guys are not using your repeat customers at all for anything. How do we leverage your existing customers? So I sent out a series of emails. Um, and it was an email regarding like selling a new heat pump. And I, so from based on the first email that I sent to the client, I think we got a response of like 200 people were interested out of a list of 6,000 people. And based on the numbers themselves, I think they close about 15% of those leads. And each um, heat pump was about ten to $15,000. I have to do that math myself, but it seemed like a pretty decent number for one email campaign. But so that's why I love working with HRI companies. There's so much leverage to be had because each additional sale can be ten to $15,000. Then give me a little bit of your thought on how you're balancing human touch versus automation in these projects. Because obviously yeah. people don't want to be completely automated away. Give me a little bit of your sense of the balance of how you're managing the balance. Um, you know, before there was more of a balance between the human touch and automation, but automation has gotten so good. I'm like, do we even need the human touch? That's where I'm at now. Because I was, a, it was not, this has been a thing that I've been thinking about in the last like three weeks. It's been very new where I've noticed that the AI is getting so good and the way it was handling customer complaints. I was like, I don't even think we need humans anymore. This is a way better job at showing empathy than humans do. Uh, have you gotten customers to bite on that yet? Well, they, yeah, they were like, they were really happy with the AI. And I'm like sitting here, I'm like, you know what, what AI does, which customers don't do is that especially in home services, this will happen to everyone almost is that you get burnt down by customer complaints day after day, year after year. And you become more jaded. And you, and no matter what you do, I can, I can hear it in their voices. They just like, they don't want to put up with customer shit. But an AI will never have that feeling. Yeah. But are they, but are they getting, are the customers then getting the right results that they want based on that interaction? In the particular situations I've seen, the customers were happier off because a human would have said, no, not a chance. Right. But the AI did understand their logic and be like, yeah, it makes sense what you said. Um, they weren't as hard-headed, but that's also bad for the business per se, but better for the customer experience. At the end of the day, the customer was happy at the end of it, even talking to an AI. And for me, I called him afterward and I was like, hey, did you know you're talking to an AI? He's like, I kind of figured midway that I was talking to a robot. And I was like, well, you outhumaned my robot, so congrats on that. <laughs> well, so, so that's, a, that's a fair point then is, is are you get, is the business getting outcomes it wants from those interactions? Because if it, if a human games the AI and gets what it wants with no no profit there, how's how's I that? I think in that net result, it works for the business because we're handling we're miss we used to miss so many calls, we're not missing calls anymore. So we know exactly what's coming in, and we also know what leads to worry about because we get a lot of leads, right? Um, I think our incident operation does like two hundred calls a day, two hundred calls a day, and a lot of them are jobs that you can't do mobile. But a lot the AI was answering them, so when a customer says like, oh, my car's not turning on or I need to break something. Without limited human time, we can make sure that we focus on the customer that with a high value job, right? So um, there's going to be some downsides. There's going to be some, uh, you know, some, some 
kinks we have to iron out. But I think six months from now, it's going to be incredible. Are there particular kinds of customers that are faster to adapt all this automation than others? Is it is it a demographic? Is it is it a an income? Is it a style of business? Is there some pattern to the ones that adopt? Really um, well? I think the ones that I I work with that are like, hey, uh, the, it doesn't matter on the demographic, but more like the customer behavior. But the people who are like the people who feel like they're at their wits end. Like I've tried this before, and every time I scaled in the past, everything is broken down. And my most traumatic experiences have been me scaling up and growing my business, right? So they settled for like a smooth, easy to run, easy to run, but a low revenue business where things don't break as much, right? But they don't understand like you can, it's actually easier to run a $10 million a year business than a $1 million a year because they haven't seen what that process looks like or what that would entail, right? So that, once they reach that point, I think they become pretty good. And I say that because a lot of my clients are what people would assume that the boomers are boomers and people would assume that those guys would not be the good clients, right? But those guys are the ones taking on this um, technology as much as they can. Because I think they've learned that like, they're like, I need help. So the, the other thing I would be curious to do is you're thinking about the, the relationship with the infrastructure itself. So you've made the active decision to not get involved with IT management and the IT infrastructure. Yeah. But it would seem that in order to do this well, you have to have a baseline of a good working infrastructure. So tell me about the relationship that, and how you manage to ensure that there's a good infrastructure and how you would work with those that are delivering. To be honest, Dave, I've had a pretty adversary relationship with the managed service providers of my clients. And the reason why it is I, I feel like there's way faster ways of doing things, but I feel like they just get in the way of doing, things, you know, like they force like their old way of doing things. Like they don't want to adjust with the time where there's better, faster, quicker ways of, you know, adding people to accounts, better processes, better uh, technology that's out there. And they don't want to do that. They want to work like it's 95 and they want to make us use um, on-prem servers with desktop accounting software. I'm like, everything's in the cloud now. Can we use a password manager? Like, there's so many things that we can do, right? But they don't want to do that. They just want to add artificial barriers, and it becomes extremely frustrating when I want to add a new email account, but you don't get back to me in time. But when I want to do something, I have to go through this particular process. You know, it's like it's like get with the times. People are going to eventually move with a uh, service provider that's going to be quick and easy to deal with versus someone that just tries to get in the way. So, what are you looking for in that? Because I mean, is is there has to be some infrastructure, yeah. right? And, and I, I'm not I'm not advocating a on-prem server model, but you know there are computers, right? There are endpoints yeah, yeah. that need to be managed. What what would that relationship look like in 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 an optimal relationship in your mind? Honestly, like I think response to time, response to request is very important. Response to reliability on request, making it easy to make requests. Um, the process would be you know. Some people have like their own systems and process for approvals and everything, which kind of make it more difficult. Um, being flexible with software, like a lot of them just force Microsoft down all down our throats. So I'm like, Microsoft is one thing, but like, can we just stick to Google for everything? Everything's in the cloud, right? Um, and so like, Google's got different integrations than Microsoft. Um, so I think those are the big ones. And I, I've been trying to get my clients on using more MacBooks. Windows computers and that kind of conflicts with some of my managed service providers. 
uh, because they don't want to work with Mac. But I'm like, well, it's easy, right? It's, it's, I got my mom using it. I'm like, it's so much easier. So what what's next for your business then? Where do you see taking this next? Oh, uh, we want to continue focusing on HVAC and plumbing, and just bringing on more clients in the same business model. Right now, we're at the uh, the point of just like rinse and repeat. We have the playbook, we have our existing client base. We know what to do to take them to the next level. Um, we don't we're not thinking about adding any more services, but we want to add a lot more AI to our business. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting time. You said thanks for joining me. This has been fascinating to learn about your business. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Business of Tech is written by me, Dave Sobel, under ethics guidelines posted at businessof.tech. This episode was edited and produced by Picture This Video. If you like the content, please make sure to hit that like button and follow and subscribe. It's a free and easy way to support the show and help us grow. You can also check out our Patreon, where you can join the Business of Tech community at patreon.com slash mspradio, or buy our Why Do We Care merch at businessof.tech. Finally, if you're interested in advertising on the show, visit mspradio.com slash engage. Thanks for listening today, and I will talk to you again on the next episode of the Business of Tech. Part of the MSP Radio Network.